As we come to corporate prayer, this week I've had two songs very much on my mind. Now, I'm not going to sing them, but one of them is an old chorus and one's a beautiful old hymn. The old chorus is, My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Strength for today is mine always and all that I need for tomorrow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. As we look around our world today, there is so much uncertainty and so much fear. To me, it often feels as though we're in a wilderness. We see illness. We see growing levels of homelessness. We hear rumours of war. We see countries fighting one another. We watch as aspects of our society slip away from God. We hear of financial and economic uncertainty, and so the list goes on. Then I think of the words of the old chorus, all we have to do is follow. The hymn that I've had on mind is also well known. O Lord my God, When I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hand has made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. As I've reflected on these words, I find great comfort in the fact that our Lord, the creator of all we see, is indeed in control, despite the wilderness that we may be experiencing around us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can join together this morning to acknowledge your Lordship. We declare that all praise and honour are due to you and give thanks for your holiness, your faithfulness and for your unlimited love for us. Thank you for accepting us as your children. Thank you that we can each know your steadfast, unchangeable love faithfulness and care. Thank you that at all times we can draw close to you, sure in the knowledge that your love and care for us are unchanging. Heavenly Father, we ask your forgiveness for the times that we've failed to focus our lives on you and have not listened to your guidance. Forgive us for times we have let fear of the unknown overcome the sure hope that we have in your Lordship. Help us to remember that all we have to do is follow while trusting in your power displayed throughout the universe. Lord, we look around and see so many challenging, difficult and seemingly hopeless situations. It's easy to feel like we're in the wilderness. Lord, as a congregation of your people, we bring before you some of these situations. Lord, we bring before you the terrible reports that we've seen in the media in recent days regarding child protection services. Father, we pray for social workers and care workers who seek to protect the welfare of children. Give them wisdom and perseverance as they daily deal with very difficult and complicated family situations. We pray for families that seem to be so dysfunctional and urgently in need of direction.
We pray for those in positions of authority. Give them discernment in their decision-making. Lord, we bring before you those who are ill or recovering from sickness. Lord, we ask that they may feel a touch of your healing hand. We pray for those in our church who are facing health challenges. We pray for those in the wider community who are still struggling in the face of COVID. We pray for our health system that's under such pressure and for health workers who are so stressed by their workload. We pray for nations where medical support and medicines are in short supply or totally missing. Lord, we bring before you those who are fearful and unsure of the future, those facing not only physical pain, but also struggling with emotional and psychological tensions. Father, bring comfort and lift people above the day-to-day concerns and fears of this world. May they find peace in you and know the healing and wholeness that only you can bring. Lord, we bring before you the people facing the horrors of war and the associated displacement and dislocation that so often follows. We think of the Ukraine, Myanmar, the Middle East, to name just a few. We think of the millions of people who are now refugees. It's hard to comprehend the immenseness of this issue. Father, we pray for the areas where conflict is threatened, such as Taiwan. May nations that seek to impose their ideals on others by force turn to you and find new direction. Lord, we also bring before you those in nations facing dire circumstances in the midst of persecution, famine and natural disaster. Lord, may our hearts never become hardened to the sufferings of others. Lord, we bring before you the homeless in our nation and more particularly in our own city. Father, in the face of growing economic pressures, rising costs and interest rates and falling availability of affordable accommodation, the future seems so bleak for a growing number of people. From the comfort of our homes, it's almost impossible to understand what it would be like to live rough on the streets. Lord, please show us how we should respond to this and other growing social problems in our community. Lord, as we consider these and other matters that you may bring to mind, we give thanks for the wholeness and peace that you create. We give thanks that you are good and that your love is everlasting. We give thanks that your arms are always wide open and welcoming. We give thanks that your promises are sure and that your kingdom is eternal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What were the words? As I wander through the wilderness? My Lord knows the way. As I wander through the wilderness, the Lord knows the way. That's kind of the theme of this morning's message. Isn't that incredible? I love it when that happens. The, The Spirit is at work amongst his body. Uh, I've we've misplaced our little clickery thing, so I'm just going to have to nod to you guys up the back when we when we want to change our PowerPoint this morning. 
if you are visiting uh, with us this morning, or perhaps you're online for the first time, uh, we as a church have been going through the book of Acts. We've been going through uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, uh, in a teaching series. Uh, we've been bringing out the truths of Scripture and what it means for us as a church and followers of Christ uh, as we look at that. Because as a church, we, we feel like this year we're wanting to be making a difference in our lives and in our world. And what better book to study and look at those first disciples who literally changed the world as they went out with the gospel uh, and the power of Christ in them and the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the world. And so we want to be looking at that, teaching on that, being inspired by that. And we've been asking questions as we go through this whole series uh, in terms of what maybe challenges you. Because we all come to the scriptures, we all come to church, we all come to our Christian walk with our, with our own sort of background and culture, our own glasses, lenses that we see things through. But it's, it's the word of God that guides us. It's the word of God that shapes us. And so we want to be, be maybe challenged by or um, you know, maybe, maybe there's some things in our own thinking and understanding that need to be realigned uh, when it comes to uh, what it means to follow Jesus. So there's that. There's also as a church, hey, here's the early church working itself out. What does it mean to be church? Uh, what are the aspects and values that we see in the early church that we want to impart into us as the Hills Christian Family Centre, our local church? But also we're saying, what is Jesus saying to you? Last week we had our all-in service. We said the word of God is alive and active. And we had some examples of people sharing where the word of God jumped out in specific circumstances and spoke to them. And as we look through the book of Acts and as, as we study this, what is Jesus saying to you? How is he calling uh, you to follow him closer and more deeply? And so uh, that, that is, and there's, there's a lot of themes in the book of Acts. And if you go to the next one, one of those themes is the spread of the gospel. We see that um, not only there it is, the gospel message spreading. There, there, there are a number of things, and I want to just focus this morning, even though there's so much in this chapter, I want to keep us on this idea of how the gospel, how the message of Jesus Christ spreads and how we as followers of Christ are to emulate that, how we live out our lives and participate with God in the spreading of the gospel. Uh, just to quickly quickly recap, and for those who are part of our regular uh, congregation, you'll be good to know that this morning we are leaving Jerusalem. Hallelujah, we got there. Woo! We're, we're one, one third the way through. Um, but uh, Acts really is a great uh, testimony. It's a witness of the early church, the apostles, and those who, who were brought into the church and, and what happened. So Jesus, uh, the risen Lord Jesus, appears to his disciples, and for 40 days he teaches them. He opens up the scriptures to them, and the disciples see him ascend, 
And there's 10 days where they're waiting in Jerusalem for the promised spirit that Jesus promised would happen. And then Pentecost comes and the disciples and the others that are with them are in the upper room and they're empowered with the Holy Spirit, uh, which causes them to do miraculous and wonderful things. And it brings the attention of those around. And people are, are like, wow, this is an amazing thing. And the Lord adds to their number. And then the early church is born and we see in Acts 2 a description of selling possessions and sharing everything and uh, enjoying favour and enjoying fellowship. And then we see some examples of the disciples going out in their, their everyday life and healing people. And this, again, brings the attention of the authorities. Uh, Jesus had... Um, the, the Pharisees really didn't like Jesus, but the um, Sadducees are the ones that don't like the disciples because they didn't like... Uh, miracles. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And so here's these disciples proclaiming Jesus is alive, proclaiming he is real, and they don't like it and they try and squash it. And they keep trying to like put them down and put them down, but they keep appearing and more keep adding to them and they can't handle it. And so they're trying to put them in prison and they're trying to arrest them, but they keep proclaiming in the name of Jesus because they declare that it's better to uh, follow God and his ways than it is to follow man. And I think in our world, as we see our society sort of, as Anthony mentioned, going further and further away from the traditional family and biblical values, how better is it that we follow that example of going after God and his way rather than of man? And then we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira, a contrast to the selflessness of the disciples. There's a selfishness there. And then we get to Stephen, Stephen was one of the deacons that was um, laid on hands to distribute uh, the, the wealth amongst uh, the community there in Jerusalem. And, and Philip as well was one of those deacons that we're going to meet this morning. And Stephen just declares this beautiful sermon going through the history of, of God and his work with the people. And, and, he, and he proclaims Christ through all of that. And the Sadducees, they just... They can't handle it, and it gets to the point where they didn't like his sermon so much they actually stone him to death. Now, I'm glad that there are some biblical traditions that aren't put through today when you don't like a sermon. I'm, I'm still alive. Uh, I wouldn't be here today, I don't think. There's been a few woozies. Um, but here, Stephen is the first martyr. But it's because of Stephen that now the gospel is actually able to spread. In fact, Luke describes Stephen's death in a similar way to Jesus. I don't know if you've you picked that up. I think Mike brought that up when he, he preached here. There's some similar things that he says as he, as he passes that Jesus did. So as Jesus passes, it births uh, the, the resurrection and the new life and the new creation as Stephen passes. It's really the, the birth of the church proper because up until now we've seen the disciples enjoying fellowship and everything going well. But now we see some other things begin to happen. And that's where we we open up. If you've got your Bibles, we want to be opening up our Bibles. We want to be flicking through. So if you've got it on your device, but personally I think the Bible itself is better to be flicking through. And I want to just start this morning by saying, you know what, I thought we'd just focus on on uh, the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip this morning. But then as I'm 
I'm reading the context. I'm like, oh, there's so much good stuff in it. I can't, I can't go over that. So I want to just quickly get the context of Philip uh, and his time in Samaria and particularly with the Ethiopian eunuch. So we're going to start on uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, what day is he talking about? The day that Stephen was stoned and martyred. So on that day, great persecution broke out against the church. Now notice it says the church in Jerusalem because that's where the church was. The church hadn't yet uh, spread into all the, the surrounding areas at this time. And all except the apostles were scattered. Do you know that word scattered is the same Greek word where um, when Jesus is talking about the farmer that throws seed and, and broadcasts seed, the seed is scattered. So we see here the same, same word being used that the disciples, the, well, the church, the apostles stay behind, but the church is scattered because of this persecution that broke out against them. It's almost as if um, Stephen was sort of the floodgates for the authorities to go, oh, it's okay, we can do this now, can we? <laughs> and let, let's go after, let's, let's get them all. and Let's try and squash this new movement. But of course you can't squash the gospel. And this is the whole message that Luke has in the Gospel of Acts. You, I've said, you know, you, can't, you can arrest the followers of Jesus, but you can't arrest the gospel. The gospel will do its thing. The good news of Jesus will spread, and you can't stop it. There's actually no point trying to get in its way. Why, why be on the side of a, a team when you know that they're going to lose? It seems, seems silly. So the gospel is going to do its thing. It's going to spread. And here's the church in Jerusalem enjoying fellowship that that Acts two, end of Acts 2 understanding, and, but now the persecution comes upon them and they're scattered throughout. Now, where are they scattered throughout? Judea and Samaria. Now, does that remind you of anything that Jesus said? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now the, now, the early church weren't actually living out that commission. Were they? They were enjoying the good times. They were enjoying the comfort, the fellowship, the meals in each other's homes, the favour of the people. It was wonderful. Selling possessions, sharing everything. It was all wonderful. But they weren't actually living out the call to be witnesses and to spread throughout the region. It was only through the persecution that they're actually then able to live out the calling that God had for them and their lives. It's only when they left the comfort of their own homes, the traditions and the, the things that they were used to and happy with, that actually started living out the purposes of God. In fact, I wonder... If Stephen wasn't martyred, would the church have ever left Jerusalem? Or would they have just stayed there and enjoying the favour and enjoying the good things? See, this is something we see 
all throughout scripture and all throughout history. When there is pressure, when there is persecution, when um, comfort is pushed up against, we're actually then able to live out the calling of God in our lives. Sometimes we don't like giving up, leaving our comfort zone in order to do that. In fact, I've got this saying here. I think it comes up next. Oh, no, okay. Oh, the map. Yeah, put the map up. (laughs) So here's the map. We've got Jerusalem, if I had my little thing, Judea and Samaria. So you can see that as they, as they scattered, they didn't just sort of all join, join one road and go, hey, let's go to Jesus' town and go to Nazareth and all hang out there. But they're broadcast, they're scattered throughout the region. And um, I've got a Francis Chan quote here. Um, Beck, um, sorry. Uh, the problem of much of what we believe is often based more on comfort or a culture tradition than of the Bible. It's a really interesting quote, isn't it? In fact, I've heard many people say, I want to be part of a New Testament church. I want our church to be a New Testament church. And we point to those passages in Acts 2 and the end of Acts 4, talk about the fellowship of all believers, and that's, an act, that's, a, that's a New Testament church. I want to be part of that church. Well, what does the word actually say about what a New Testament church is? That's the start of the church, and that's how the church started. But if we're going to take the whole of Scripture and the whole of Acts and look and study what actually happened for a New Testament church, the New Testament church was scattered. It was persecuted. People had to stand up and face prison or martyrdom for the sake of the gospel. And they were willing to do that. They were willing to leave their comfort zone, willing to leave uh, their, their homes, willing to leave their families in order to go out and to spread the gospel. So if we want to be a New Testament church, then what we're actually saying is we're, we're prepared to be persecuted for our faith. Now, we in the Western world in Australia, we, we don't come up to the sort of persecution that we see in, in China and, and in other places. China's a great example. At the end of the service last week, Wayne Cadero gave that example. I don't, want to, I, want, I don't want to pray that you would become like us. I want to pray that we become like you because you travelled so far to come to this lecture and you, you're willing to stand up and you memorise scripture. I want to be like you. And here's an example in, the, in China where before persecution broke out in China, the, the church was small. But now hundreds of millions of believers are in China. Principle here, when the church is persecuted, the gospel spreads. And the same with us. We we don't necessarily have that, but I wonder if it's coming. I wonder if it's not all that far around the corner. We are seeing... Strange things happen in our culture and in our society that we've never seen before. As our world shifts further and further away from the traditional values and uh, the things of, of Scripture, following after the Lord and what's good for our world, we're seeing a movement and a position rise up that is pushing a particular agenda that is very against a biblical worldview. 
And I wonder if in years to come the church will be the minority in Australia, in which case I say bring it on. (laughs) Maybe the church then will actually stand up and be a New Testament church, proclaim the things of Christ, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. It might mean giving up our comfort, things that we're used to. If the government, government's been mandating lots of things, haven't they, lately? We like that, well, I don't like that word, but say the government mandated that our church not be able to meet together, not be able to proclaim Christ, what would our response be? Well, according to Peter, when he was, came up against that same question, I'm not going to obey man, but I'm going to obey God. And I, I would hope that that would be our church's response. This is a long intro, isn't it? So I, I, have, I have a personal example of being pushed out of the nest. Because sometimes I think we're unable to actually walk in the purposes of God unless we're first pushed out of our comfort zones. I've got that saying, if you'll put that next one up. Are you willing to leave what's comfortable in order to live out God's purposes for your life? The early church was. They left their homes. They left what they knew. They left what was comfortable in order to work out God's purposes and live out that calling to be the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, the ends of the earth, the spread of the gospel. Uh, In my previous uh, ministry, I was part of uh, a local church and I was comfortable. Uh, I grew up in that that church in the youth days. They taught me the gospel, the truth. Uh, I came to know many wonderful people. I I loved the church. I loved the people. Uh, I loved my role there. But to be honest, I was comfortable. And time came where a decision had to be made based on finances that the church could no longer afford the staff that they had. And a hard decision had to be made that they had to cut staff, and that was me. And I went kicking and screaming. I did not want to go. I, I fought and I fought and I fought because I was comfortable. I was happy. I was used to it. I was enjoying the culture. I was in my Jerusalem and circumstance from outside of my control had to come and actually push me out because if that didn't happen, I'd still be there. But if that didn't happen, I wouldn't actually be walking in the purposes and the call of God for my life, which was to bring me here and to pastor this church. And looking back, I want to say I'm so glad that those people made that decision, <laughs> even though it was hard and even though I didn't agree with it it actually caused me to leave their comfort and actually to walk in the purposes of God. And you guys might have examples in your life. Or maybe I have to ask the question, how's your comfort level? How's your own comfort level? Maybe as circumstances and things happen in your life that are beyond your control that you don't like, maybe rather than fighting them, we should work with them and say, God, where is your plan in this? How do I walk through the wilderness knowing that you have 
the plans for me. All right, we need to keep going. So let's let's keep going. So the the church is scattered. Um, now they're actually living out the call. And on verse 4, but those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Notice how it says that. They preached the word wherever they went. As they go, they preached. They lived out the gospel. Even though they're, you know, they don't know where they're going to live, they don't know what jobs they're going to have, they're, they're in a foreign country, foreign region, yet they're still preaching this gospel. In fact, Jesus' command in, in the Gospels uh, when he says, go and make disciples, it can be translated as you go, as you go about your day. As, and this is our call. As we drop our kids off at school, as we meet a staff member in the lunchroom, as we um, you know, have family over or neighbour for a meal, as we go about our lives, we preach the Gospel. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. Now, one thing we need to understand about Jews and Samaritans is that they did not like each other at all. There was animosity and there was a sense of um, hatred between Samaritans and Jews. In fact, uh, we don't have time to do this, but if you go to John 9, when the disciples were passing through that way, uh, John says, should I bring fire down on these people? (laughs) Such was the animosity and, and hatred. The, the Jews saw the Samaritans as half-breeds, as not pure, as not fully, it's a bit like Harry Potter, isn't it? Not, not full-bloods, not fully Jewish. And so, so there's this, you have to understand that as the background. And they, but here's, here's, here's Philip, and Philip is a deacon. He's not your head sort of apostle, big shot, Guy, he's he's the guy that puts the chairs out and welcomes people through the door. He's the he's the everyday person of the church, and yet Philip is able to do the miraculous and is actually able to witness and and that let that be an encouragement to you all. It's not about the people of position, but you too are called to to live out this wonderful spreading of the gospel. So they came to Samaria and there were crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed and they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralysed and lame were healed and there was great joy in the city. This is what the power of God does. This is what a move of God does. You know when God moves amongst people, there is great joy. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is great joy. And so Philip, in this area that normally there'd be this animosity, they're enjoying what the early church enjoyed, fellowship, joy, wonderful things. I'm going to skip over Simon the sorcerer. There's so much in that, but I think for time we're going to have to just skip over that. A couple of things. There's this man, Simon, uh, who's a sorcerer in that town, uh, and and he's famous, and um, in fact, he's so famous that other like Martin um, Tertullian and um, another Justin Martyr, uh, they they name him as well. So he's he's known, but um, 
what happens is the people, it says, are amazed at this celebrityism. They're amazed at what he can do. But when Philip comes and the, and the people are healed, there's transformation. There's a difference between celebrityism that brings amazement and Christ preached that brings transformation. In fact, they actually, even though Philip, uh, even though Simon, it says, believes, the, the disciples come and say, you have to repent. See, there's a difference between believing and just leaving it at that, but actually believing through repentance by actually turning away from self and saying, oh, I'm, I'm going this way, but now I'm actually going to say something about me that actually says I need a saviour. I actually need to say sorry for who I am and what I've done. And there's no repentance in Simon. And I wonder if he was ultimately saved. But the apostles hear of what's happening in Samaria and uh, they, they come and you might think, well, they're, they're just checking up on them. But they're wanting to, to just see if this is true. The Samaritans who, Samaritans who we hate are, are receiving the Holy Spirit and, and, and things and they want to pray for them. And so rather than praying for, the, for God to bring fire down on them, they're praying for the God to bring fire of the Holy Spirit upon them. And again, that's what the Holy Spirit does in community. It brings reconciliation. Here's, here's these people who wanted to take them out and now they're wanting to pray blessing over them. They're wanting to pray for God's Spirit to be in them. I'm just looking at time. We haven't even got to the Ethiopian eunuch yet. Yeah, yeah, come on. So so that's what happens in Samaria. So basically revival is happening in Samaria. It's a wonderful thing. Revival's breaking out. God's spirit is doing wonderful things. Philip's enjoying this, this stuff that's going on. And then... An angel says to Philip, I want you to go down the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. If we put that next slide up. Here is Philip enjoying the excitement of revival. And God calls him out of the excitement to a desert road and ultimately to a one-on-one encounter with, an, with a man. So are we willing to leave our comfort in order to live out God's purposes? And are we live, willing to leave the excitement and leave what's popular in order to be obedient in what God has for us? Here's Philip willing to be obedient and go, I'm going to leave what's popular, what's exciting, and I'm going to go down a desert road. Is God calling you down a desert road away from what's popular, away from what our culture is doing. Imagine if, come on, imagine if a revival broke out at Hills Christian Family Centre and we saw healings and we saw, and we saw you know, people coming to faith and it's exciting, it's wonderful and God touches you on the shoulder and goes, I want you to leave and go to... Um, I, I'm going I'm to be offensive as soon as I say a town, aren't I? <laughs> I 
a country place that's away from here. And you're like, oh, but all the fun's here, all this excitement and all this amazing things are happening. But here's Philip. And this is, this is the, the role model that we look at in Scripture as we look at this man. Not only was one of he the early church that left their comfort, but he left the excitement of the revival in order to be obedient to following God's call on his life. And he goes down this desert road to Gaza. I've got a map here that you can see there, Jerusalem and Gaza. And we, we know right now, you know, this, this strip, the Gaza Strip is full of conflict. So he's down on this road and he meets an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury. So this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he'd been in Jerusalem and he's heading back to Ethiopia, sort of north of Africa down here. And this Ethiopian eunuch, sometimes we just sort of pass over what this man might represent. So here is, I mean, we don't know really much about his background, yet he re- represents so much of people that we see in our society. I want to explain that to you. So here was a man. We, don't, we know that he was a God-fearing person. He went to Jerusalem to worship. And yet he comes back from that feeling empty, still searching. You see, the religion of the day left this man feeling empty. There's got to be something more. And religion does that. He was longing for a relationship that would fulfill that searching that he had. So here's this. This man is, is coming back and he's searching, he's longing for something more. He was a eunuch. This was something that was common in those days, particularly those who are in office. He's in charge of lots of money. Uh, and in one of the things they did was to castrate them in order to not enable them to have family, to have offspring, and to have something to worry about. And potentially, hey, I'm going to take the money and give it to my family and... <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about my family, but they'd done that in order to just focus on the task and, and, and to have that, that office of being in charge of the treasury. So he's wealthy, and yet his money doesn't satisfy. He's religious, but his religion doesn't satisfy. And he's, he's unable to have family, and so that's probably something that he's longing for as well. But clearly he's wealthy because he's got a copy of the Scriptures. Now, nobody has a personal copy of the Scriptures. This is something that was just in the temple. It was just just for the priests. So he's clearly got some cash behind him because he's come back from Jerusalem and he's got his own personal copy. And he's reading from Isaiah. And on his way home, sitting there on his chair, reading his book, the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Now, what I want you to see is Philip's obedience because, first of all, he's in revival and he is willing to leave that for something that he doesn't know anything about. All he's asked to do is go down a road. Are we willing to to be obedient to the point where we don't even know what it is that we're being obedient about? (laughs) 
But as he's obedient, as he's faithful with the little, God then reveals furthermore for him and he says, this is the reason I've got you here. Here's this chariot. I want you to go and stay near it. Now, I might be reading a little bit into this, but um, I always pictured this chariot under a tree and this eunuch sort of sitting there enjoying the shade and reading the prophet Isaiah. But later on in the text, it says that they had to stop the chariot in order for him to get baptised. So the chariot's moving. And, and as the chariot's moving, God says, go go be near it. And it says, so he ran up to the chariot. I don't know if you've noticed that. So he ran. I've got this picture of Philip. He's like chasing after the chariot. It's like, hey, do you know what you're reading there? Do you know it was embarrassing for a Jewish man to run? Thomas Keller brings that up in the Prodigal God series. I don't know if you've, you've seen that. Because he had to lift up your, your skirt and show your knees and, and run, and it was embarrassing. So here's Philip, willing to give up comfort. He's willing to give up the fun, and now he's willing to embarrass himself. I wonder how willing are we to embarrass ourselves for preaching the gospel? So he runs up to the chariot and then he heard this man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asks. Great question. Do you understand what you're reading? And talk about something being set up. He's reading a prophetic word from Isaiah about Jesus Christ. And, and, but this man says, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me. Now this is where I want to encourage all of us as a church. Part of our role is to explain the gospel to those who are searching. Here was this Ethiopian eunuch reading the scriptures. He's he's like, is this, is he speaking about himself? Is he speaking about me? The part that he talks about it says, um, Oh, if, if, we, if we keep reading it, it talks about not having descendants. So he's probably thinking, is he talking about me? <laughs> so often people are searching. And this is why I think doing the Alpha course is, is an amazing thing because it answers questions. People are searching and yet they need understanding. Very rarely, it does happen, people open the scriptures and they, they read the word and they they come to faith. That's happened for lots of people. But quite often, and particularly in our biblical illiterate society, it needs explaining. It needs uncovering. And our role as we go out from this church today and as we meet people in the lunchroom and at school drop-off and we, un- and we hear the questions that people have, we say, do you know, do you want some explanation to that? And so he opens to this passage, he was led like sleep to the sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the silent shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth, speaking here of Jesus. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? There it is. <laughs> For his life was taken from the earth. And this man says, will you explain it to me? 
And as he says that, I'm, I'm reminded of Paul's words in Romans 10. I'm going to put that up. Where he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that, if they have not yet believed in him? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? This is our call, church. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed this message? Do you know what he's quoting there? Do you know Paul's quoting the exact same passage of Scripture that the Ethiopian eunuch's quoting? I love it when Scripture does that. It's like all, all together. So our call is to be those beautiful people that bring faith and bring understanding. just want to end with Philip's evangelistic method. I'm inspired by Philip. He was this normal, everyday guy who was obedient to the promptings of the Spirit, who through preaching Christ saw revival break out in a land and brought connection and brought reconciliation and who was obedient to even go down a desert road, not know what the purpose was, to meet someone who, who would then go off to Africa and preach the gospel there and, and see, the, see the word spread. But first of all, be open to the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Availability. How available are we in our daily lives to be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Are our lives so full that when an angel says, go down that desert road, we're too busy? We've got to be available. We've got to be open to the Holy Spirit's prompting and leading for what he wants us to be doing. Second thing, observe what God is already doing and begin there. This is what Philip did. He didn't go in with his pre-prepared gospel message that he's going to start with creation and end with whatever. No. He asked this man a question. Do you understand what you're reading? He could see that this man was searching. He could see that God was at work. He could see that this was the opportunity. You could see that God had already orchestrated this. And rather than come up with his own plan, he just simply participates with God, what God is already doing. And that's what we've got to be looking for as we meet people who are searching, uh, who are longing, who are empty, just like this man. Notice what is God already doing in their lives? What are they saying? What is their worldview that they're presenting? What is their questions that they're asking? What are they longing for? And then it says, please tell me who the prophet is talking about. Verse 35, and this is point three. 
Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. He started where the man was and he simply introduced the gospel. He introduced Jesus, declaring the good news, preached Christ. So some of us in our daily lives wonder how do we make a difference? How do we respond to the the message this morning? May I encourage you to be open to the voice of the Spirit. Maybe it's driving a different way home from work. Maybe it's staying a bit longer somewhere. Be open to those promptings and, and have your eyes open to what God's doing in people's lives. Rather than coming on and jumping on them with something, start with where they're at. Start with them and their questions. Start with them and their experience. And as they open up, introduce Jesus. And the Holy Spirit does the rest. We're going to end there. But I wonder if we might just spend a time in prayer this morning. As you've been listening to Acts chapter 8, and as you've been, as I said at the start, perhaps a particular phrase has jumped out at you. Perhaps the, the thought of being comfortable is uncomfortable for you. Perhaps the thought of embarrassing yourself and not wanting to put yourself out there is something that is a barrier that maybe God wants to break in you this morning. You and I are called, just like the early church, to be spread out from this building into our world and to declare the good news of Jesus. Now, how do we do that? And are we doing that? So can we just spend, if everyone can just close their eyes now. And in the revival that broke out in Samaria, Philip heard the voice of God and was obedient to that voice. And because of that, he walked out and he lived out God's purposes for him. And I wonder this morning how many of us are here, myself included, who maybe need to have time to hear that voice. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? What does it mean to walk in your purposes? What does it mean to live a life of following Christ? What does it mean to emulate a disciple of the early church? Lord, what are you wanting to say to me right now? Perhaps one or two of you are sensing a particular call. Perhaps one or two of you, the Lord is bringing to mind some barriers. Maybe it's the comfort that is holding you back. 
the book of Acts was not meant to just be an historical document. It is an inspired word of God to teach, to perhaps rebuke, to encourage, to bring to life what it means to follow him. And so, Lord, as we've been looking at these passages of Scripture and as you've been drawing out for for us as a church, perhaps what it means to be a New Testament church, what it means to follow you. Lord, maybe there's been some things this morning that have been uncomfortable and challenging. Help us not to, to push that aside, but Lord, would you work in that? Right now as we pray, Holy Spirit, would you be doing a work in our hearts that we would be reminded of Paul's words how can they hear if no one preaches? How, how can they go unless no one's sent? Jesus, what are you calling to us this morning? What are you saying to us? And so, Lord, as you speak now to everyone here, pray that they would respond accordingly to you and that they would go away changed this morning perhaps empowered in a new way to live their life just like Philip, willing to be obedient in order to work out the calling on their lives. So, Lord, we just pray your blessing on us this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're here speaking and doing a work in our lives. But I ask, Lord, right now that you Go before us all, that you would encourage us from here and that as we leave, we'd be like that early church, going out into our regions, going out into our spheres of influence and and affecting and influencing our world around us with the gospel of truth, the gospel that cannot be broken, that cannot be shaken, for we know that the end of time, that you will bring about all of your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Um, thanks, Sam. I, I feel we've been really blessed by all that's um, happened today, um, whether it's the, the music, the item, uh, the dedication, uh, the message. I'm really grateful for those that have had a part to play today, but most mostly grateful to God. Um, for I think speaking to us, encouraging us, challenging us, and yeah, encouraging us too. Like when we get out of our comfort zone, that that's where He can actually move through us and do amazing things as well. So yeah, trust that uh, you, you share my my sentiment that this has been a great time of blessing. Whether you've been here with us or online, um, pray that uh, you can just grab hold of a few things, and and that'll actually change your life and change your ministry and your impact as you just at work amongst people um, and in a day-to-day situation as well. So that that's it for the the formal part of the service.
uh, there's an opportunity to hang back a little bit afterwards and catch up for a chat or a coffee. I understand there's a special cake as well as part of the celebration for the for the Bidwell's dedication as well. So please feel free to to enjoy that as well. And yeah, uh, just pray God's blessing on each and every one of you. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Uh, it's just great that you could be here today. Thank you.